0: Hey there, welcome to episode number seven of Jenny and Paul Sellout. I'm Paul Reesmondel, one half of the Sellout Podcast team, along with my co host, Jenny Benevento. On today's episode, you will find out how we can go from Sweet Valley High to Andrew W.K. straight into the topic for today's podcast Heavy Metal. Each edition, we ponder the big questions of life and how it relates to culture, getting your shit together, and never having to apologize or say that you sold out. So, although it's about metal, this one is not just for the metalheads. Keep your headphones plugged in, and we'll go to the podcast. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Paul. All right, so for this podcast, I'm going to try not to be cranky. Okay. I'm working on it. Good luck. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've got a good topic today. We'll get into a minute or two, but uh, we're, we're going to tackle metal.
1: The entirety of metal.
0: The entire, Not steel and copper, <laughs> but heavy metal. <laughs> a musical genre we both like, although we both have very strong and differing opinions about its various subgenres and sub-subgenres. So,
1: true.
0: I hope this is a fun one for our fans.
1: <laughs> it will be an argument show. I feel like we we trade off in pop culture and life hacking stuff, and then we also trade off in shows we agree. Shows we disagree. We
0: agreed a lot in the last show. Yeah,
1: it's true. We agreed a ton. No,
0: and I didn't really disagree with you about Jack White so much as I wanted to press you. Because I I sort of didn't have much of an opinion.
1: Today at lunch, someone called Andrew W.K. the anti-Jack White. And this was (laughs) non-contextual to our podcast.
0: I don't, and I don't really, I don't know enough for how much of an opinion about Andrew W.K. So, again, um, it's plausible. Because he's
1: happy and sincere, I think was the, and not like uh is he yeah no he is he's like super Mm, because his
0: music seems very ironic to me
1: (laughs) i know but he really isn't that is Mm. like i highly recommend his twitter stream okay because it's like you know what's an awesome party going to taco bell
0: that seems very (laughs) ironic to me (laughs) But
1: it's not he's like sponsored by taco bell now because he goes to taco bell so
0: frequently (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i don't wish that on anybody he loves it, man. It is it is probably the least food like fast food.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, oh we have a I'm we not. have a
0: Facebook page now.
1: We do have a Facebook page and a Twitter. I mean we had a Twitter before, but uh you can tweet us up at the sellout podcast. And yeah, we have a Facebook page, which a lot of people have friended so far. Um I I when I post as myself, I post as or it posts as the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So I can't say I. I have to talk about myself in the third person, which makes me feel like an uh-huh. ass. Okay. Um, but uh, clout just determined I'm an expert on Jack White.
0: There you go. So
1: there you go. So.
0: I, I have know. a cloutic- clout account. I haven't logged in.
1: I I have added you as an influencer. Uh, okay. And I gave you plus K. Great in in podcasting, I think.
0: Well, there, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. What do you want to talk about? I finally listened to that that literary disco podcast that you uh, told me to listen to.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean you don't know <laughs>
0: what I'm talking about?
1: I send you things I have no idea what I what. They, uh,
0: they talked about Sweet Valley High. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: so there's this podcast. Sorry, I forgot the name of it. They talk about books and stuff. So
1: here's how I got to that podcast. Okay. So someone, uh, a friend of mine was t- discussing complaint letters. And, um, you know, if you're a writer, the complaint letters you get... And I was told that this guy, the guy who is in that podcast, he is, he writes, not Burn Notice, he writes Burn Notice fiction. So there's fictional books that are, like, in the Burn Notice universe.
0: Sort of like Star Wars books and Star Right, but are you familiar
1: with Burn Notice?
0: I think it's a show.
1: Yeah, it's the most popular television show right now. Oh. But no one knows that. It's, like, it's on... It's on USA, yeah, I think, but yeah. it's it's wildly popular. Like they have oh, a movie. Okay. There's a spinoff. It's crazy. So I I didn't know that either. But so he writes burn notice fiction, and people apparently get extremely angry about it. And um, so I was reading just some of his letters about it, and he mentioned that he was starting a podcast. So I thought I'll listen to this, and it's a book club, and everyone in it is a writer of some sort of mm-hmm. fictional. And uh, they did the first, I think the first episode, wasn't it? Or
0: it like the third, I think. Third
1: episode. They did a Sweet Valley High book. And it turns out Sweet Valley High is all about raping. <laughs>
0: <Basically>. <laughs> well, I guess, the, well, they all read the first one in the series uh-huh. in which uh, they and it's about these twins. Right. So I understand. Right. And one uh, one accuses a boy of date rape falsely, but another is date raped.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: But, yeah, and I think the reason you sent it to me to listen to was because after our conversation about the Lifetime uh, Movie Network, in the way that their analysis of the Sweet Valley High books is that they were fundamentally sort of morally conservative. Right. You know, and sort of trying to uh, reinforce kind of upper middle class conservative values and that uh, it seemed like much of the action uh, besides the raping was about, like, one's reputation.
1: Definitely, yeah. The whole thing is about your reputation and like what you look like. They like every single book. They they describe how the girls look, and you're like, I know. I've read a different Sweet Belly High book. I know that they're five seven, blonde, blue eyed, tan legs, with khaki shorts, size six oh,
0: only. Well,
1: well but they, it changed
0: to size four.
1: Yeah. So, but they recently, the other thing I think that's super interesting about it is they came out with an ebook. Or they came mm. out with a new book in the series that was yeah. like them as adults, but it was so wildly popular that now they're having an ebook series. Um, it's only being released electronically because who's as an adult is going to read a Sweet Valley High book <laughs> in person?
0: Yeah, so it was a pretty decent podcast. You know, yeah. I'll give them. You know, I, the thing is though, I'm largely illiterate. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't really read literature.
1: Yeah, I would not call Sweet Valley High literature.
0: Well, or or, fiction.
1: You don't read fiction. I don't
0: really read read fiction fiction either. Yeah, I mean, and I mean to, but yeah, I was an English major, um, and then I went to graduate school, which means, and you never read for pleasure.
1: That was not my experience in graduate school. Well,
0: yeah, because because you went to library
1: (laughs) school. (laughs) That's (laughs) right.
0: But That's if true. you if you if you go to school for something like communication where they sign you like a 500 page book a week uh-huh. per class, you don't read for pleasure anymore. Okay.
1: you just you just haul
0: your way through. Habermas. I don't feel
1: like fiction was ever pleasure reading for me though. So
0: it was at one point. I mean, sometimes in
1: my life. I like some fiction. Yeah,
0: but so, anyway, I
1: find it frustrating.
0: So like a literary podcast just makes me feel bad about myself.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that.
0: I but otherwise, that. I give them you know it's a fairly entertaining little uh, podcast. Pretty well. Pretty highly edited. I noticed. Yeah. I could I could tell that they'd cut it quite quite Andrea, a bit out to fit then, into a half hour.
1: they had uh they came up with they had like a game about where they uh wrote fake passages from classical yeah. works and there was guessing. I I've, i I really liked it.
0: Yeah, I've had it suggested to uh to me that we uh that we establish recurring segments.
1: I agree. I think we should I, mean, I think
0: we could do viewer mail if only we got sure. any.
1: That's hey, true. Folks.
0: I think listeners. I think
1: uh, you know, thing thing we're 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 interested in this week mm-hmm. i.e. cd or oh yeah uh oh i got website. one even. i've okay, got one your, for this your, okay what's your, what's your,
0: what, well this is totally with the topic as i'm totally obsessed metal. with with the uh with the new uh, gojira album uh this a french metal band uh gojira is the uh is was the original pronunciation of godzilla the original name of godzilla in japanese And they're kind—they're kind of math metally. They're not really death metal anymore. They've really kind of hewn their own uh, their own kind of subgenre. So it's got kind of that Meshuga math metal kind of stuff. It's pretty aggressive. Lots of complicated time signatures. Um, But like, so the new album's called uh, "L'enfant Sauvage," and. The uh, like the, the the first track, they they get this crazy intricate like rhythm pattern going on, and then over the top they do this undistorted like Ennio Morricone guitar line.
1: That sounds that sounds ideal.
0: It was it it, it blew my mind. So it 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 is probably is the best metal record I've heard all year. Uh, truly fantastic. I'm really into it, but that's that's it's my kind of metal.
1: Metal wise, I've been listening to Death Mole. Uh, which is never heard of it yeah well you wouldn't uh not because of you i'm saying in general it's it's not it's in in the in the same way death clock is not a real band mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's music made by a cartoonist who writes the cartoon uh questionable content and in questionable content the characters some of the characters are in a metal band mm-hmm. and he decided to start releasing albums and I didn't even realize even though I love that comic and I read it all the time I did not realize that he had released any and then he mentioned it and now I've just been listening to all of their albums it's amazing
0: so metal <laughs> wow we were way in already yeah didn't take us very long to get there
1: I like metal <laughs> me I too. like going to metal shows because the women's bathroom there's never a line that's really ideal for me
0: is, is that true?
1: That is very true. Oh, there okay. are only a few shows where there are enough women. Uh, that Which shows are show. those? Uh, that's a good question. Um, usually ones, some of them, at, if they're at like the House of Blues or another place where um, uh, suburban people will go and so their wife will come with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I would say if it's at Congress, there's usually enough like punk rock wives who will come. This, this um, is
0: a venue in Chicago. It's an enormous theater in the uh, Logan Square neighborhood. It's also shitty, and yeah. No, it's, it's, terrible, always and I hate shows it's always a thousand degrees there.
1: It's always thousand degrees, and it's gross. Everything there is gross. And um,
0: I was there last week to see the Refused,
1: and uh, I heard that was a great show. It was I heard a like fanta- from a million people. That was a fantastic
0: great show. show, but it was a thousand degrees. Like the walls were dripping. You know. It was that that kind of hot and sweaty, it's, and it's and
1: basically. Awful. It seems like it's the venue where if you are not sure you can sell enough tickets,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or if you think there might be violence at your show, this is where you have to go.
0: Yeah, there wasn't violence. It was a very cool crowd. They refused aren't really a metal band. They're a uh, a anarchist punk band from Sweden that uh, were active a really hardcore band active in, in the early to late nineties, and uh, they. Had an album. Their last album was called "The Shape of Punk to Come," and so they really were pioneering uh, kind of a different approach. It had a lot of lot in common with metal, and but they had a lot of interesting time signatures and uh, kind of screamy vocals. So kind of pre-screamo, pre-metal. Some of the stuff that happened in metal then, but really innovative. But the lyrical content, pretty um, pretty left-wing, pretty anarchist. Uh, the singer, though of the band had the most amazing dance moves. <laughs> so they were all not dressed at all either punk or metal. So the singer had like tight uh black pants and a white shirt with a tie and a um and a nice black uh vest. And it
1: was an important show to him. He got dressed yeah, up. Yeah oh he That's got dressed nice. up
0: and he his dance moves were like Mick Jagger meets Michael Jackson. Wow um, meets, like, Fred Astaire. He would do these, like, twirls and these, like, soft shoe kind of things. And he would jump through the air, like, leap kind of. Oh. <laughs> and uh, climb up on stuff. But it, and, and he'd do the whole, like, the microphone uh, stand stuff where he'd, like, throw the microphone stand back and kick it back with his foot. Wow. And 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 in time, it all matched the music. These you know complex you know heavy rhythms and
1: uh, I respect that. That's professionalism. And
0: what I liked about it, you know what I enjoyed about the records is that um, you know so they have the kind of just the screamy vocals. But every so often there'd be like a Whoa! <laughs> you know these like Michael Jackson moves, <laughs> like way to be, way to just deconstruct the entire approach well, to hard. I feel punk. like if
1: you're Swedish. Well, yeah, you kind of have to love pop music. So
0: yeah, yeah. So and that's the thing is that as much as it would be really complex and really aggressive, there was always sort of an there was usually some kind of underlying catchiness, if not melody. Right. Uh, but yeah, the show they were really on. They were they, it was really intense. It was really good. Huh. And then. uh off, which is a punk band uh, featuring Keith Morris, who was uh, original singer in uh, Black Flag and in Circle Jerks, they opened up and they brought Keith Morris back on to do some Black Flag songs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was a really good show. But yeah, a thousand degrees and miserable. Yeah,
1: it's a terrible place. I, I like, I, I, and then there just doesn't seem to be a set number of people that venues sold for. Like, I've been there and it's yeah. been almost pleasant because there's just not a million people. But it's one of those venues where I feel like there's like an unlimited number of tickets are sold, <laughs> right? And they often go to Groupon,
0: yeah, right? So that's, that's true. like a nightmare. That's how I saw the Danzig show yeah, last fall. Right? It's a nightmare. Yeah. So that was good. Not really metal, but it, it was a good show. I'm glad Not I sure. went. Uh, you don't
1: think that Danzig is metal?
0: Oh no, no. Sort of refused.
1: Oh, sorry. yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. Danzig sorry. is metal. I was like, no, no, what? two ways about that. <laughs> what?
0: Yes, we both like the metal, um, but you you are a particular fan of of a subgenre that you uniquely and singularly have named F- Elf metal. Elf
1: metal. I, it's not just me; other people call it that.
0: And those other people are who?
1: Um, on the internet. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think pow- it's it's power metal, right? But it's a subgenre of power metal, even I would say.
0: So the interesting thing about metal is its taxonomy. Yes. You know, and it's because I'm I'm not sure when this happened, but it happened during the time that I've liked metal, and and that there was this incredible splintering of subtypes and subgenres, because at first you just basically had heavy metal. Like if it was it was 1984, right? And whether you listened to Judas Priest or Rat, somebody called it heavy metal, right? And and everyone seemed to be fairly okay with that. But then, by the time it's nineteen eighty nine,
1: I think it's death metal. I think death metal is what did it. No,
0: no, no. I, I disagree because nineteen eighty nine, we the, by then you had thrash metal, sure, and you yeah, had speed true. metal, and you had it's arguing true. about what was the difference oh, between yeah. the two, That's right? Retarded. And whether a band was speed metal or thrash metal, right? With the the basic the, the differentiator being if you were thrash, somehow you were more influenced by or had more in common with with punk or hardcore punk whereas speed less punky but that's the best differentiator right. that you could come about and then of course you had pop and hair metal by that time as subgenres where it was really pop music you know very melodic but with kind of edgy guitars adopted from, from the metal tradition.
1: I hate the use of melodic to describe metal in any sense because it doesn't make any sense <laughs> it like there's lots of things that are melodic that have nothing in common. I feel like so many things that are melodic in metal should not be in one genre together. That annoys me.
0: I don't follow.
1: Well, like, some pe- what some people think of as melodic metal
0: mm-hmm.
1: is more death metal y vocals.
0: Oh, like melodic death metal? Yes. That is a subgenre. Right. It's a sub subgenre.
1: But then, like, I listen to things that actually have melodies. Mm hmm. And that's not it's or just, vocal
0: melodies. Yes,
1: right? that's what you're talking yes. about, as
0: opposed to guitar melodies. That,
1: yes, that see, is that's true. the difference. It is the difference, but that's why you don't use. It, that's like saying it's it's music with choruses. Well, and, like, and, and then <laughs> you have the death metal
0: that has the melodic, clean sung vocals right. in the choruses. So, get right. things splinter... Melodic
1: is a bad term I for this. It it's used too liberally. It's,
0: well, of course it is. Uh, nice. Yes, you know, so metal kind of splintered there in the late '80s, and that's when I was sort of really, you know, becoming a big metal fan. And then in the '90s, it just continued to to splinter from there.
1: Well, it just seems like there's more metal now. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, I then maybe I, just because
1: we have more access to, especially right. Well, metal. I'm sure
0: that's it, and and it's inevitable because I mean, I think, you know, rock. Genres and subgenres either die or they or they regenerate and splinter. You know, so it, by comparison, I think a great comparison would be industrial music, right. which I would argue is a nearly dead genre. I mean, yeah. there's still like there's I mean, there's still a few labels and there's still a few fans. But you know, sort of all the 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 big bands, like ministry is basically just Al Jorgensen and Friends. And, and not right. even Al Jorgensen Friends, it's Al Jorgensen.
1: <laughs> being propped up by Be, Friends. Yeah,
0: being, being not even by friends, by his <laughs> by wife and people he he, who pays. he pays. Yeah. And then you you know, and then like Nine Inch Nails is really not I mean it's it's Trent Reznor, yeah. And that's a whole different thing. Um and then, you know, of course a lot of the other bands were just other projects uh, that Al Jorgensen was involved in, like, you know, uh, Revolting Cox and things like that. Um, and all the other bands kind of went away, you know, and and, and so there's still a few. At them least get-
1: in America, I would say.
0: Oh, no, that's really? pretty, it's a pretty dead genre everywhere. I mean, you know, they'll get together and tour again every so often, but there isn't. And there, But but the big difference is there aren't a lot of new bands. Yeah, I mean, there are some, like there's a small scene here in Chicago and there's like a small scene in Philadelphia, but it's not like metal, right? It's, it's really tiny and it's, it's mostly regurgitating. But I think all
1: that stuff ebbs and flows. Like there, yeah. I think there was a period where, I mean, even myself, where I was like, especially after like a grunge situation when metal is no longer on the radio and it was really hard to
0: find. I don't think it was though. Uh, it just wasn't on the radio. But in fact, I think as an as a, as a music, the, the, those labels were growing and they were they had more output. It okay. just it just wasn't it just wasn't in the pop mainstream.
1: Sure, sure. But I mean, I think that there wasn't there wasn't pop as much popular interest. Even I think as there is now.
0: I, I disagree. Really? Well, because it, it was in, right like, at,
1: the like late nineties, early aughts.
0: Yeah, because at that point, uh, Ozfest was a, was a, was, oh, an in, was an was an industry unto itself. Yeah. Um, I, See, and but that
1: to me is just those old bands. Like, it was all transferred back to those old bands. Like, I feel like there was all those revival tours.
0: But like, OzFest wasn't a revival tour. The big thing about OzFest is it was like a couple of key bands and then tons and tons of new supporters. And like the Warp Festival became sure, half metal. I, uh,
1: yeah, I would, say, I would say Warp is not fully metal. No, but really. it's half yeah. metal. But I think, I mean, OzFest and all that is based on, you know, Ozzy. So I feel like a lot of the first...
0: Well, but metal is that way, though. You see, <clears throat> metal does not kill its idols. So, I mean, no, I, I think this is this is an important. <laughs> there point. was an eye roll
1: for those not in the in the podcast. It was
0: what an uh, eye roll. No, I mean, I think that's an important point because it's it's it on the one hand while it it it, it sort of it speaks to it tries to speak to rebellion in her hand. It's incredibly reverential to its own yeah. icons and idols. And so Ozfest is you know, Ozfest is always this, this like half of it's the new up and coming bands and half of it is uh Ozzy and some of the older guys.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying there's just way more of an ability for uh rehash and revival of older bands in metal than
0: there is in other genres yeah. no yeah. i agree absolutely but but there's also tons and tons and tons of new like it's it's, it's a center of innovation it right. continues to be a center of innovation um in a way that it seems like other subgenres of rock often peter out
1: yeah i mean no one's burning down churches for any other Euro no one's burning
0: music. down any churches recently. <laughs> That's true. That is I mean, what, what, what and Jenny is referring to, because I'm sure for many people to be like, metal, what? <laughs> is uh, there was a uh, in Norway, a uh, very popular subgenre of metal is called black metal. Uh, which is obsessed with sort of paganism.
1: It does not mean pre-Christianity. In
0: living color. It does not mean uh, no, just in color.
1: <laughs> yes. in living color. Yes, living colors a show. Yes, that's true.
0: Uh, it, it, yeah, we it, need
1: we need coffee.
0: Yeah, it's sort of obsessed with uh, with uh, pre-Christian times in Northern Europe. And paganism, and a couple guys took it too far and burned down a church, and then one guy stabbed another guy and went to prison. Oh, he's out now. Yeah, um, but that's cut a, his hair. Mm-hmm, and but that's a very uh, very isolated sort of subgenre genre sure. <clears> out <throat> uh, there. But yeah, it, it, what's interesting to me about metal at this point is that when I first started liking metal, and I'm gonna and this this will reveal quite a bit. It was around 1985, 1986. And I was just your run-of-the-mill nerdy teenager. And my friends listened to hard rock and pop music. So Rush, uh, maybe some Bon Jovi, that they might not admit it. And they'd get into some pop stuff, and Van Halen would have been big, and maybe some Motley Crue. But there was no, like, metal, metal. And the metal heads were like, no, those guys are like burnouts, they're like dirtbags, they're like miscreants, you don't go near them, and they're probably going to beat you up. That was sort of the, you know, sort of the warning. And then at least where I was in New Jersey, punk was kind of a, there were some punks, but there weren't very many of them. Uh, So it was sort of not much, not well known. And then there was beginning to be the rise of uh, like college rock alternative music. So you definitely had sort of like more of the honors kids, the kids in the uh, AP classes (laughs) who were more into like The Cure uh, and some, you know a more uh, new wave, first wave alternative, whatever you want to call it. And I was sort of out there, and I, and, and, and I, uh, you know, so I listened. You know, I like Van Halen. I like some prog rock, like Yes and stuff. And I was really curious because about, you know, because I like some of the heavier hard rock. And so I was just kind of curious about it. So I bought a Metallica tape. And what? I, and I didn't know what I was doing. I, so because was no guide, there's no. Which, which what, one did you buy? I ended up buying an EP uh, that was okay. on Megaforce. Okay. So, uh, call uh, for Whiplash. Okay. It was like a four-song, five-song EP that had uh, studio versions of Whiplash and maybe Four Horsemen, and then like on the other side, live versions of uh, of uh, what is it? Pulling Teeth. Gosh, I can't remember anything anymore. Uh, which was the bass solo mm-hmm. that was on uh, Kill 'Em All and, uh, and something else. I can't remember what. And, and it blew my mind because I'd never heard anything quite so unmelodic and just driving and rhythmic, right? And that I could almost, I almost couldn't comprehend it. And I know that for a lot of folks, it was probably difficult because Metallic is now one of the biggest bands in the world and we just sort of take that for granted.
1: Well, yeah, I'd like to take it aside here because I I feel like. Whether if you are into interested in metal, if you like Metallica or not, and obviously not anymore, but if you still enjoy the early Metallica, is like I think a real age issue because I know a lot of people who are younger than me who are like, you liked Metallica, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, they were really awesome. Like even it's it's been too far post when Metallica ruined. Things oh yeah, right. That they can't even appreciate that that time before. Right. So I feel like I feel very lucky. to be in the group of people it's really sad like i was like mocked by someone for saying that i i used to listen to metallica
0: and that was the gateway drug oh yeah. so then i'm like okay and you know then i got you know then i get like the ride the lightning sure album which is a whole enormous step forward in terms of complexity and songwriting and in master puppets which at that point would have, was like their most recent record. But then you want to know more about this, right? But how do you find out? Because this is the mid-'80s, and I'm living in, in ex-urban New Jersey near the Jersey Shore. You say that like, oh,
1: it's really hard to find out about metal in New Jersey.
0: Well, but but I'm, <laughs> none of my friends listen to it, okay. and I'm afraid of the guys who do. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm not going to go talk to people. Don't you have a cool record store? No. There's no cool record store? There is. There is the mall record store.
1: Yeah, but there's, like, gotta be, like, one that's cooler than the other records. No, it,
0: it, there is, but yet it's, like, a mall record store, so it's not like I could go to the front and ask. They'd okay. be like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Def Leopard's over there. Right. So, you know, so, but, I, you know, I go and I find, like, magazines, like Hit Parader. Sure. Uh, and then probably something else, but at least at that point, Hit Parader magazine covered a fair amount of actual heavy metal and not just uh, not just like pop metal not just, as it, you come to cover more of the hair bands and the speed stuff and you're like, just read, and you just like anything, and I go and I'd buy comps, the you know, comp records and comp tapes, that'd be like speed metal okay, I'll buy it, I don't know what any of these bands are you know, I'll buy it, I'll find out and and just, you know, and then as we get into, and you start hearing about bands and one way I did learn about metal and this is how nerdy it is was on bulletin board systems, <laughs> <laughs> which, of course, which is the precursor to the interwebs. When you were a uh, kid with a Commodore 64 and a modem hooked up to your phone and you dial in and you have message boards, most of the time it was only one person could dial in at a time, so it, was, it wasn't the sort of real time that we're used to, but you'd leave messages. That's how I learned about a lot of bands.
1: Like you were on a metal BBS. Yeah. Awesome.
0: And that's the weird thing, though, I've learned about metal. Is that there's, is, and I think it's become even more so. It's a total nerd music. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and to me, I, I feel like the nerd component of it grew and grew and grew to the extent to which now, all like I know a lot of nerds who love metal. Yes. And they like the kind of stuff that I like.
1: Well, and it's just interesting, like, the inclusion of it in, like, video games stuff. Right. It's very weird to me.
0: But if you go to, like, a, if you go to a metal show, especially if you're not going to, like, a dunderheaded metal show. And by dunderheaded, I mean, uh, I don't know.
1: Bands I like?
0: No, no, not <laughs> bands you like. Actually, no. No, something a lot more mainstream, you know. Uh, i can't even think of any names anymore because i just don't pay attention like i used to like
1: creed what are you talking about yeah not
0: creed um something like a puddle of mud oh or you know uh, or uh, 311 311 <laughs> what do you mean 311 311? is <laughs> not even remotely metal i'm just saying those like these like new metal bands who wear, or... like
1: yeah who wear a lot of black
0: or yeah, 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 something like that I and guess. And have
1: like very stylized or like,
0: slip knot. Oh slip
1: knot, yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, maybe not. But if you go to see like uh uh-huh. or or uh you know Gorjira for that for that matter, or uh, or even or you go see like now the, the hipster metal bands.
1: What, what would you classify as a hipster? I would
0: say Mastodon would be about the most popular oh, yeah, of those. Kind of a Guys with beards. They're the
1: Decemberists of metal.
0: Yes, precisely. <laughs> yeah, they're the Decemberists of metal, right? Guys with beards. Uh, there's a bunch of bands in Savannah, which is where they're from. Are, are like you Baroness and. and uh...
1: Red Fang. Do you know Red Fang? Yes. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Beard. Oh, good stuff. Beardo metal. I love Beardo, Beardo metal. metal. I like it too. But it's weird to me because when I came out, to like my friends and people I knew in high school I was really in the metal I just they were just like what why do you like that that completely unredemptive dirtbag music was basically the response I got and then like because it's because it's good <laughs>
1: do those people would those people have played D&D or would they have mocked you for playing D&D
0: uh, one set of friends would have played D anD D. Another and another folks, not really, friend, you know, people I know known a long time were in like honors classes with would have mocked me for playing. Because
1: I D&D. feel like there is a connection of nerdiness through the D anD D.
0: Of course, because it's because you know it's all the dungeons and elves and shit like that, yeah. which goes into the metal that you like.
1: The metal I love, but in fact, I hate like fantasy anything. Which is
0: why it,
1: it's so confusing. It's a complete
0: paradox. It's very so, confusing so, to me so too. you like this stuff that you call elf metal? Yeah. Which which is which is you said is well it finds its it finds its origin in what is called European power metal.
1: Yeah, it's power metal. So um, usually it'll have in addition to guitars, it will have like a keyboard, maybe some wind instruments, mm-hmm.
0: or fake wind instruments, fake wind
1: instruments, on the keyboard. yeah, right, and,
0: and 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 something more towards the operatic end of oracles. definitely, yes, yeah.
1: yeah, kind of. Well, I mean, I think there's been longstanding in metal this idea that like metal is much like classical music mm-hmm. which I don't like oddly again also for this thing um, and I think that that sort of palette,
0: musicianship complexity and all these things are, are yeah, greatly just playing
1: extremely difficult music very 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 fast mm-hmm. and so that is yeah that's sort of the
0: and that goes back so it's like European power metal roughly finds its source in the band Halloween
1: yeah who I love
0: which is a uh, which I love too actually uh, which is what you basically have is if you go back to the 80s, you have what's called the new wave of British heavy metal, which is what influenced Metallica, which is where basically where they where you they kind of suck the blues out of metal. So like a lot of the early Judas Priest, certainly um, uh, Black Sabbath um, and a lot of those metal bands had had a very bluesy element. Deep purple. And they basically, yeah, yeah they sucked. All the blues out of it. It's so All the syncopation. Dot dot dot. It became. Dot 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 I also hate the blues. <laughs> and well, there you go. Makes it a lot was, of sense. Yeah, I hate all that. And and out of that, you got like Iron Maiden, which right. which most people are familiar with. It's sort of I think the most well known uh, new wave of British heavy metal band. Def Leppard being another one of them, actually. Sure. And uh, and that went off, and it sort of influenced speed metal, influenced thrash metal, and there was a, you know, and increasingly kind of sucked the. The most obvious melodic elements out of it, and the vocals went from singing to shouting to growling, right? And then, but then it went to Germany, yes, <laughs> and and they, in Nordic countries and, and, and they, just they, everywhere, exactly. People. And and they and they stayed with the uh, they stayed with the unblues like rhythms, but then they added gallop to it. So instead of being da 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 da, went da 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 da
1: well, they have forces there. Right, exactly. Germany. Right,
0: right. And they, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and then they, and they went way, way more operatic with their vocals.
1: Well, and also these are countries that are known for opera mm-hmm. and absolutely also classical music.
0: Right. And, so. and so you ended up with this with what became European, uh, power metal, which, which was sort of popular in the States, but never really caught on in the same way it did in places like Germany. And then it, it kind of filtered down to Italy.
1: Yeah. And thematically, it's usually about, Elves battles, mm-hmm. uh, wars, unicorns, Lisa Frank style things, but also you know, Manowar War claims a you know.
0: Well, well, you have a few Splinter American acts. Right. Manowar, War, uh, which was st- started by um, Ross the Boss, who was in the Dictators, which was a New York punk band. Uh, headed by uh a handsome Dick Manitoba.
1: Well, I've so seen like them a, play. They
0: were uh, in the Lower East Side. Indeed. CBGBs here. I saw
1: them at CBGBs. But they
0: were more, um, unlike a lot of the other uh punk bands of the time, they're a little more edgy and also tried it went another way to be offensive, yeah. in certain ways
1: and very theatrical as well. Yeah,
0: very theatrical.
1: I think that's also another the other power metal Well, thing you, that you need
0: exactly, to know. but you can draw a direct line from the Dictators to Twisted Sister. Sure. Which amped it up. Who I order. loved as a kid. Me too. Uh, and then you had Manowar, where they kind of took these sort of Americanized European power metal. So again, it was fast and it was all about fantasy stuff, but they all like bulked up. And then, you know, all the art for the albums was them. It's like these cartoonish, bulked up Like guys. Fabio
1: t- style. Like
0: Fabio style with flags and uh, riding motorcycles.
1: Nationalism is pretty key to like, oh, all yes. this stuff. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and what I uh, what I love about some of the uh, most popular Man of war records is they got Orson Wells to do spoken word pieces on two <laughs> of them. <laughs> Reading about fict and, and and compared to like the european power metal, the Man of war makes even less sense. It's, it's even yeah, more it nonsensical in, 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 but they have like they do their own they do um Flight of the Bumblebee. Right. You know, mm-hmm. as as one of their pieces, and it's very you know. But then they have songs like "Kings of Metal," blow your speakers, right? It, it, it's really just,
1: and a lot of their songs are like eight minutes long, eight minutes
0: long, and stupid.
1: Yeah, well, I love them, so I don't know.
0: <laughs> I I still can go back and listen to it, but you only really How ever is it need more like or less two. Stupid s-
1: one. than something you don't understand the lyrics to.
0: Yeah, point taken.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess that's my feeling. Is like also, and we've discussed mm-hmm. this that I really hate instrumental music and i really enjoy lyrics um so any sort of death metal i mean i like there's some i do like but if i can't understand what you're saying i immediately want to shut this off
0: Hi, Uh, welcome to the halfway point of episode seven of Jenny and Paul Sellout. I interrupt this riveting discussion about metal to remind you that we would love you to comment or rate the podcast. You can leave comments at our website, selloutpodcast.com, or go over to iTunes if that's where you're downloading it, or even if that's not where you're downloading it. And just click one of the little stars, and 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 make us uh, rated enough that iTunes will pay attention. Of course, leave a comment too; we'd love that. You can also comment or rate us at Stitcher or anywhere you might find us. Just do a Google search and rate rate the hell out of us. Uh, we 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 love you to let us know what you like, what you don't like, and also that helps other people find out about the podcast. It's a it's a popularity contest, people. You know that. Uh, And so we're willing to beg you to help us help make us popular Um, as well. We're trying to now do that whole social media thing we keep hearing about. Um, Pretty soon we're going to become social media gurus and be all about the uh, SEO and your SSO before we're SOL at Twitter we're at twitter.com slash selloutpodcast, or in Twitter speak at selloutpodcast, and we're even on the Facebook take that zuckerberg facebook.com slash sellout podcast and uh, like us get your friends to like us get your friends to listen to us and uh, let us know if there's something else you want to hear about or someone we should talk to or maybe we should talk to you you know uh, we're not all, we're not all about celebrities. I mean, maybe Jenny and I are celebrities, but we'll talk. We'll talk to you. You got something interesting to say? Uh, drop us a line, or you can email us at uh, jp.sellout at gmail dot com. So now I return you to the podcast, which will momentarily be back in progress. Death metal. For anyone who doesn't know what it is, is it, it the marked
1: mon- by the Star. Vocals. Yeah, the
0: Cookie Monster vocals. Uh, which uh, had its start also in here. There was like this amazing period in the late '80s, early '90s when it was just like this explosion. It was the, it was really, I think, the big bang of metal when like 13,000 subgenres just came out in all directions. And uh, sort of like the uh, the very first death metal bands is a band called Death, which really didn't even yet have Cookie Monster vocals. They were just more guttural kind of right. scream vocals. A band called Possessed. And interestingly, in the U.S., they all came from Florida or the South. Uh, Possessed, uh, only well-known because Larry Lalonde would go on to join Primus. Uh, He was the lead guitarist in both. And then in England, you had a band, Napalm Death, which actually came out of hardcore punk and and, and a uh, version of, of hardcore punk that became Grindcore. Which played very fast, but instead of really staccato guitar, more like strum guitar, scream vocals, but tend to be like two minute songs. See,
1: This is why I think these like genres are so dumb because it just completely makes it impossible to know enough about anything, and it doesn't help you. <laughs> it doesn't help you actually find bands you like. I feel like
0: it does though, because if you like if you if you like Napalm Death, then you might like Carcass. You see, you can find the line. But,
1: right, but that but it leads to the people being like, "Well, carcass isn't exactly this. They're this sub sub genre." <laughs> well, of that's course. Sort of, I know. But I hate that.
0: Yeah, I know. But nevertheless, uh, that is where death metal comes from, and so then you then, then all of a sudden all these and then, and then there's an explosion of bands that are like going from like screaming to like, <laughs> yeah. um, which which I think is petered out a bunch. Yeah. Like pure death metal. I mean, there definitely is pure death metal, but now it's its own like side, side show. Right. Because I think like all these things, you know, there, there was a point at which bands were like, let's see how fast we can play. Let's see how much double bass drum we can play. Let's see how much we can growl. And they did that. But then it sort of you reach that end. You know, you're like, oh, well, we did that. Well, there's not a lot of things we can do. No, that's right, very real song. Yeah, and then it was sort of like in the mid to late 90s is when a lot of death metal bands started doing things like adopting keyboards, singing, and, you know, and cries of sell out.
1: <laughs> sure, sure.
0: Uh, you know, but you know, death metal, right. And for me, uh, I said one of the things, you know, why I, don't, I like death metal or don't mind death metal. I don't really understand lyrics to begin with right you, the lyrics have to be incredibly well enunciated for me to understand them and many of the bands i like don't enunciate and i i don't know what i don't know their songs i, I really don't know the lyrics and so i'm reading them but that's been that's I my entire life
1: while listening to them
0: yeah sure and then i can pick it out yeah. and often i go oh really
1: well especially in power metal uh, the great majority of the people singing are not native English speakers, n- nor even do they have a full
0: grasp of the English. Especially language. the Italians.
1: Especially the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans, the
0: Germans, and the Swedes. The farther
1: north you get, the yeah, better their yeah, grasp exactly. of English is. Um, but so the lyrics make absolutely no sense
0: oftentimes. So my question is why? So you know, I started listening to metal because I was into hard rock, and I I just for whatever reason got curious, and then it was just like. Metal, I can't get enough, I can't learn enough. Um, it got worse when I was when I went to college radio because I had this enormous metal collection. but again when I in college radio it was like, oh we yeah we tolerate these metal shows. Like, and the, and the guys who did the metal show were like, "Everyone hates us, man. Fuck them." <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you're one of us, even though I was like just this nerdy kid, and they were all like leather jacketed, long hair, and everything. Right. They're like, "But we love you, man, because you don't look metal." <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what they said. You don't look metal. We love you. Um, but it was very, but it was still very much in us versus them—the punks and the alternative kids versus the metal heads who were stupid. Um what what got you into metal? How did you get there?
1: Uh well so my my parents didn't listen to rock music really for the most part. So uh I would say I had older siblings and they listened to like pop music. Um I did love Metallica. I would say Metallica was well. So I was super into punk rock. I think that's probably. You know, it. But how
0: did you even get into punk rock? Was that that's friends? A good or?
1: No, I didn't have friends, so that was not it. Um, I think I would go to a lot. So I did have the added benefit of going to a lot of awesome music stores. So because
0: um, you were you were living in the Chicago, yeah. Line so area. there's
1: like Rolling Stone Records, which is um, it's uh, it's on the edge of the city, and it's definitely you know it's. They they put the music up to 11 in there. You can't talk to anyone. You can't ask questions. But they're going to have all the cool records. And, um, you know, a lot of resale used stores, like Bell's Hella here. And uh, so, I mean, I would just go to the dollar bin and look for stuff that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, this is really, really dorky. Uh, they had... Um, this was, though, after I was into stuff. I, I, I would look for... I would hang out at the library and, and read books about it. So there were things like.
0: And there were books about punk and metal when I was yeah. teenager. So, yeah, but I mean, teenager. that was
1: even, even um, like, PBS did that rock. Uh, like, they did a giant um, documentary, like, 12-hour documentary. Uh, okay, so it's rock.
0: what you get by being, you know, just, enough, you know, seven years younger than me.
1: Sure, it's true. So, I mean, one of those episodes is on, you know, punk music. and One of those is on. So I don't, I don't. Actually, I mean, I was really into, like, Chicago scene music then, so that would be, like, Mm -hmm. Urge Overkill and, you know, that whole... So, I mean, I think through that I was like, oh, vaguely this is making alliterations to punk rock, so, like, that probably was part of it. I was really into the Rolling Stones, so I think that also was, like, Mm -hmm. how I moved into it. Um, And then I listened to a lot of punk rock, and um, uh, I think, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed uh the singing of course and um i played the drums so that was also so
0: you got into like the power metal then no no okay way late way late okay i'd say
1: like five no maybe seven years ago
0: okay so so you were into
1: 10 years ago like
0: the the basics the metallica metallica
1: uh yeah i mean alice cooper Mm -hmm. um I would say more speed metal type stuff was more what I was into. then.
0: so were you even into like the Anthrax, the Megadeth, yeah, love the Anthrax. The Slayer, love the
1: Biohazard?
0: Yeah, and of course the Anthrax was a real singer. Yeah, it was the the thing that always people you know don't know this as much is that Anthrax was like one of the few speed thrash bands that had like a guy who was a real singer, right? Who came who basically was in like a Journey cover band before they hired him.
1: And I would say also you know I didn't have friends so I hung out at home watching
0: Ricky Rockman. On on the Headbangers Ball, I yeah. Agree.
1: So I mean, that was I, I think and
0: no, that was pivotal for me. Right. I I would videotape it
1: and, right, uh, and because, watch it on
0: Sunday. Yeah, and and it's hard for you know it, you know again for folks who were a little younger, it's hard, you know don't remember when MTV really played music, but then their specialty shows, whether it was Yo MTV Raps or uh, Headbangers Ball, were really great because they actually played non major label bands. And played obscure stuff that you that really wasn't being played on the radio most places, and would have been hard to be exposed to. Yeah, I would sit there and I'd, I'd tape it in part because I wanted to be able to roll back and find out what the album was and the band and write and write it down, so I could take it to the record store, uh, you know, that week and go look stuff up.
1: Right, and the other thing is, I mean, I think not i i wasn't very happy so i mean i think this that appeals <laughs> to too. you yeah exactly. and like i felt like no one in my school was like me yeah. and no one i'm with you wanted to wear black all the time so i mean i think that's a, a personal affinity but then um i did go to so next door to rolling stone was always this um place that sold like t-shirts and bongs and stuff like that and they had all these t-shirts of cool bands so i mean Mm -hmm. that was also a thing and they had like maximum rock and roll and i could pick up zines there so things like that i think also helped um and then yeah i mean i would go to like barnes and noble or whatever the bookstore was that was local and like go to the music section and look at and oh i think the other thing is i was obsessed with horror movies um from a pretty young age so I mean that is a natural connection, and I yeah. would, I subscribed to Fangoria, and a lot of metal bands sold their records through Fangoria because they would do soundtracks, right? Or stuff like Goblin,
0: oh, yeah, right, right. And that, so that I period, loved Goblin. In that like when would that, I mean that would have been like late eighties, or early nineties. Yeah. yeah, I remember because that started in the late eighties. Yeah, that a lot of that crossover. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's funny. In another place, uh, by like the late eighties, early nineties, where I learned about some bands was by watching Christian television. <laughs> Because they had this series about, they had this enormously long series about rock music and rock lyrics. And so, but the thing is that they'd show you a video and show you lyrics of some band and how horrible it is. You're like, oh, that's really fucking cool. (laughs)
1: yeah and i think uh yeah so i mean, we had to I mean take, for real i actually right, learned about in bands school because I, I went to catholic school we we did actually did have to watch those movies so yeah i i <laughs> and they were really against the blue oyster cult which i thought was funny i also like in the seventh grade you know i went to catholic school and i hated religion and i became a satanist for like a brief period of time mm. so i think also all of that is pretty tied up with like maybe i should listen to metal
0: yeah, and 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 you know it's funny because you know I I got really into it and then and then part of it was
1: Satanism but, was my gateway drug to, yeah. to metal.
0: Well, I wasn't <laughs> never into the Satanism, but i but I was always an atheist, and so definitely the, the even if you know some stuff is definitely satanist, but a lot of it is, is particularly anti Christian or at least anti Christian establishment. And while metal often is looked down upon by people by punks who feel like oh that's real anti establishment and it's real. Uh, you know that's real left wing or whatever. A lot, a lot of the metal in, 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 at that time was had a lot politically in common with punk. Yeah, and there's a lot of really environmentalist records. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like a, there's like Nuclear Assault, it's a band from New Jersey uh, that never got particularly popular, but sent people into a lot of bands. Had an album called Handle with Care, which was which is an entirely environmentalist album. There's uh, the band Testament in like 1989 had a song called Greenhouse Effect. And so a lot of it was really like this, you know. And and even if you think about bands like Megadeth, they had uh, the song uh, "Peace sells, but who's buying?" Right? You know, there was really I mean, that...
1: even Metallica. I mean, I think a, a lot right. of right, the, exactly. It is. And
0: so if you're really disaffected, and it you know,
1: and you read a book, yeah, Once a right. While?
0: And it, and it was the interesting thing is that there was this real attempt by these bands, I think, to try and. I mean, a lot like of them were being uh, you know we're autodidacts and 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 self educating, but like whoa, the world is fucked up. We're going to sing about it, and it's different than the punks. Uh, I think you know in in, in some elements, but not. Uh, it's not as if they were um, all corporate whores, even if many of them turn into corporate whores later on down the line. But you know, I mean, you know, uh, oh, well, the clash run CBS epic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think, well, in grade school, I remember there was one girl who loved Bon Jovi, and everyone mocked her like relentlessly. Yeah, yeah. And I, when I was maybe like eight, my so my mom is German, and so my German cousin came to visit. And the rest of my German relatives. And they all had the jean jackets with, like, a thousand patches of, like, Metallica on them. In fact, in my family, we refer to Metallica in a German accent. (laughs) Metallica. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I think, and that was looked on as really not cool. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, my family was definitely not
0: i will give my parents credit they were really quite tolerant and indulgent i remember sending my my uh parents were going to a a uh, like discount store called caldor which was on the east coast it went out of business but i remember my dad's like oh do you want me to get you anything and I, for whatever reason i wasn't going I said, yeah. so yes i gave him this list of tapes and he's like anthrax you know that's a bovine disease, <laughs> and I'm like, it's a typical. I
1: bet that's worse now. <laughs> that's a typical
0: John Riesendahl thing to say, and I said, yeah. He goes, okay, and so he brought me back. You know, the anthrax on the living I, tape. He, he didn't. He didn't care. My parents are pretty much like, well, he's in his bedroom. <laughs> he took stuff
1: out from the library.
0: <laughs> he's like, he's in his bedroom. He's not hurting anybody. He can listen to happy, and they, they were always cool about that. They never gave me a hard time. But for me as well, is that metal was my gateway into punk. Right, because you started learning how. Um, the, the big pivotal point for that is probably uh, Metallica's Garage Days Revisited album, which came out in '87, and that was an EP after Master Puppets when uh, their base, original bass player Cliff died in a bus accident. They hired a new kid, uh, Jason Newstead, and they just cut cut a covers record in like a, in a garage, and you know, and revisited because that's how they used to practice, and they were all punk, basically punk covers. And so that's how I learned about Killing Joke. Uh, that's where I learned about the Misfits, where they do a Misfits yeah. cover. Um, those are two big ones. And, uh, and I go, wait, oh, Metallica is all influenced by all these other bands that weren't metal right and that's when i start learning about the dead kennedys and then i start learning, you know i i knew about the sex pistols but and but you know and i'd been into the ramones but the ramones in a lot of way you can be into the ramones and never get into punk because they're so sort of knit into the american psyche and they're yeah, so yeah i heard
1: them in walgreens the other right. day and i was like this is so weird well
0: and they're so poppy right yeah, i mean they're so, you know it's so, so weird it's kind of you know you can be into the ramones and not be aware of punk but then i start learning about all these other bands right and I'm like, oh now I gotta get in now I gotta listen to the Dead Kennedys, now I have to listen to Black Flag, now I have to you know, and it kind of built on that. Um and it you know, and, and I started learning about uh and, and the funny thing is I learned about jazz because of metal. <laughs> because so many uh, uh metal players and, and guitarists were really influenced by um Al Di Miola, who is a jazz fusion player in the uh who came of prominence in the 70s for his super fast picking technique so uh, many of the metal guys who were learning uh, to solo and want to break out of like the the still blues based blues derived uh method where we're like going back and learning like these al Miola riffs which were built much more on jazz scales or in some cases uh latin music scales but Very metal because they're fast picking, single string, you know, not chords, you know, sort of rock fusion. And so I'm like, oh, I got to listen to this Aldi Miola guy. And of course, a lot of jazz people say like, oh, that's not real jazz, which led me to learn about what influenced him and got me into jazz. So and that's what I really like about metal is that it's very, very integrative. It's very absorptive.
1: Like there is a metal version of every other it, it China, re- yeah, it it,
0: and I think be- and I think part of that is because it it is so focused on musicianship that it often pushes players one to be uh, to be innovative, but two, the way it's sort of spread, it's it's so popular internationally, it's also I think caused bands in other outside of the West to integrate their native forms of music or or at least things that they know uh, forms from their own music into metal
1: people are far it's it's a it's a audience that's far more comfortable listening to songs in a language a foreign language mm-hmm. then it's like i mean rap i think it's getting there
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: where people will listen to like french rap or something yeah but i think for since i was a kid people were like oh this is in portuguese whatever yeah,
0: yeah. or german yeah in fact it was sometimes really cool when you could when you could get something that was in german you know but and, and i think that that's a really interesting aspect of it. And that it, it's constantly bringing in these other, other areas, you know, and even the sort of maligned rap metal, but the fact that that, that ever was an integration, yeah. <laughs> you know, when well,
1: and it was the sort of the first integration that in, in with rap had that with non rap music, I mean, I mean
0: it, you know that, I mean, well, I mean, you always had the rock element with run DMC, you know, I mean, like in an Aerosmith. Don't count
1: Aerosmith as metal, so.
0: Well, hard rock. In hard rock yeah. and metal is always a blurry boundary, of course. But, uh, yeah. They I have mean, a you ballad. Have Come on. <laughs> it doesn't make you metal. I know, I know. But, yeah, right. But, you know, Anthrax and Public Enemy being another, yeah. being another uh, fairly famous uh, crossover. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's really amazing. And I think that's why it's still, like, it didn't die. Right. Even though folks, you know, took it very, you know, didn't take it very seriously, especially in the mainstream in like the 80s and sort of into the 90s um, because of its ability to sort of absorb influences and to cross international lines. So that at this point, the fact, I mean, like Gojira is on Roadrunner Records, which is at this uh-huh. point. their new amazon roadrunner which is at this point a major label for all intents and purposes they made a shit ton of money on nickelback and have about as much money to throw around as a lot of the major labels do but it's still primarily a metal label or hard rock label um and it's a french band that i they may sing a little bit in french although i think most of it's still in english um No one. I mean, no one in the metal community. It's like whatever. They're French. Who cares? Like, you know. I mean, there is still a little bit of nationalism in there, but yet so much of it is so blurred in terms of uh, national origin. Even more so than I think than than traditional pop music or most forms of rock. I think punk at this point is probably about as international. Uh, I would
1: say electronic music.
0: Yeah, you're right. No, I would say electronic music is pretty... Inter- people who are really into electronic music, yeah. absolutely, is very international as well. That is also... Uh,
1: I mean, I, And equally segmented. I mean, I think yeah. they're, we're like... I are right. I, I can, like electronic I music. Some, yeah. But, I mean, this the segmentation between one thing and another for me... Like, in some cases, I get it, but... From people who really know it, I'm like, I do not get the difference between these two things. And
0: I think that's actually why industrial as a subgenre is sort of dead, because in a lot of ways, it splintered and got absorbed into the intelligent dance music or electronic body music
1: right.
0: genres, which are now multitudinous. Um, but you're right, I think it's very international, very sub, subgenre and... Most of it sits outside of the pop mainstream. I mean, some of it gets popular and it has a lot of influence, but like the biggest artists who might now fill enormous festivals don't make a big blip, at least on the American top. Well,
1: I I mean, it's pretty shocking. I mean, I think even a lot of the DJs here are foreign, um, at least in Chicago. I mean, a lot of the big, like like Euro and house DJs are Polish. And (laughs) when I was in L.A., there was a billboard on hollywood mine for a a chicago former radio dj here and I, who's who's a euro dj and i was just like this is astounding to me that someone who is like oh some guy from our neighborhood you know what i mean mm-hmm. that like this would be here in hollywood like People, this is this big. Like the the fact that apparently electronic is that big. In yeah, that sense, absolutely. I would have never known.
0: But I think that's a, that's a really good comparison to metal yeah. because they both, and yet with their popularity numbers, you'd say okay, they are mainstream. But maybe because of the multitudinous of it, no single artist dominates enough to be, you know, in the top ten. In the right. same way that sort of the still the top rock artists or top pop music artists or, or rap they're artists they're never going to beat the Nickelback, right? Or the Katy Perry or sure. you know any number of other uh, artists who who are uh, who are in the in the uh, Billboard Top 200 or Hot 200, whatever it's called. But you know, it is sort of where I went with metal is that it got me into all these things was absorptive, and I consider it, there, there were so many artists who were being explicitly avant garde. And sometimes it was a bit uh, naive, almost like outsider art. There are bands like Celtic Frost, which was a Swiss band. And part of the way they're weird is because they're like, we were in Switzerland. There weren't other metal bands. (laughs) Like we were getting records, but no one toured. And we just made up stuff because we were trying to be heavy and different and it came out weird. That's a little less true now because, you know, uh, it, it's 30, you know, 20 years later and and the internet has sort of compressed the world.
1: Well, and I think that's also how electronic music is similar in that yeah. my favorite bands never tour America ever. Mm-hmm. Like this would be the last place they would tour. They would tour Europe. They would tour Asia. They would yeah. tour, tour South America. And then maybe, maybe like one date in,
0: yeah, America. because we, don't, we we don't actually have the same sort of infrastructure of clubs and festivals that they do most other places in the world, including you know, including South America and right. uh, and and East Asia, right? Yeah, where not, for electronic music in that way. But and I stayed with Mel because it was continuously avant-garde, and then you and then what's great is you also had um, this cross fertilization that there are there are jazz artists that adopted metal in a lot of ways and made it crazy. But it was still really, it was a metal and it was jazz. And especially this certainly started to happen in the nineties into the two thousands.
1: There's like the cello metal. like, And then
0: you have the stuff that goes and gets more classical. Yeah. That's so weird. Explicitly classical.
1: But the thing, so I guess I, what I wonder is I feel like it's still to this day. And part of it is that whole, the segmentation, but I feel like it's still pretty exclusionary and difficult to find stuff out. Like I've, i I mean, yes, obviously there's the internet, um, but I think that uh, there's not really one source in the same way that covers every oh, no. everything no, in isn't. the same way, and I think it still has forced like. Metal fans to to be similar. Like if you find out someone is a metal fan, you're like, oh, he's a metal guy too.
0: Oh yeah, Whereas it's a like club. I
1: feel like even though there's lots of other genres I like, mm-hmm. no one's no one's ever like, oh, you really like. No, it's a club, absolutely. Such? No yeah. one
0: exactly. I mean, when I found out you like metal, I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, you know. Even though <laughs> I'm not really now. into you know rhapsody and uh, you know, right. it's not that I hate it. It's just it's not my favorite stuff. <laughs> And and the thing about being uh, now a person who is forty one years old in a metalhead, right? First of all, it's you know, if you said if we you know in nineteen eighty five you're forty one in a metal, someone would say you should grow up, right? Yeah. Maybe you
1: should move out of your mom's basement, right?
0: Or yeah, or the or get out or move out of the trailer, yeah, probably, or you know, and and quit you know dating underage girls.
1: I do say that to you all the time, to be fair.
0: (laughs) You know, and at this point, of course, there are plenty of 40-year-old metalheads. Eddie Trunk uh, (laughs) on VH1 Classic. Brian Possein. Brian Possein, yeah, exactly. Um, But, you know, and there continues to be stuff that's really interesting to me, but at the same time, I I don't really call myself a metalhead any longer because probably the great majority of metal I'm disinterested in. And that... That has nothing. To, that says nothing about metal and says everything about me, because what I find is with all this uh, intense subgenreification, you have you have bands like Municipal Waste, which is basically making stuff like what I was listening to in 1988. <laughs> like they're, they're consciously saying, "Well, we're bringing back classic American thrash," right? Which died, and, and I mean, died. You know, by like 19, 1992, and I'm like, that's cool, but I like. Um, I've got those records, right, I can listen to those records and I can listen to them and in some ways because I've done this I've been going back through my CD co- my, my my CD collection and and challenging myself to go re-listen to albums that I have a sen- sentimental attachment to but haven't really listened to and sometimes I'm like oh ah that that's kind of amateurish and silly and not so good this, ooh he's screeching like a banshee and he's really not he kind of isn't in tune, but he's not screaming enough that you don't care. <laughs> that kind of stuff, where you know it's it, it's hard to look back with forty-one year old eyes, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so, sort of repeating that, I mean, and I'm not saying that there's no value to it, right? I mean, I guess there's where oh, that's just stupid. It's so much as I'm like, well, I'm glad the kids are doing that, but it's not very interesting to me. Or the nineteen thousandth uh, death metal band that's redoing what Cannibal Corpse did. In 1995, metal has been legitimated now, right? right? I mean, at this point, I mean, partly when beardos came in. I, no, I don't think it's the beardos. It's the metalheads gotten to their 30s, yeah. right? I mean, they it, have what, real jobs. They got real jobs and got real jobs in the media, you know. And so, and and Chuck
1: Klosterman that that helped. <laughs> it helped, I'm, I'm, it helped right, a lot, right?
0: Sure. No, I think so. But then, and 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 folks like Eddie Trunk uh, on VH1 Classic and such. I think it's it, simply what happened is. It stuck around long enough. It, of course, continues to make tons of money. Uh, the metal labels, the big metal labels, are very profitable and do very well and know their business very well. Uh, they know how to make decent money, pay the bands okay on releases that sell ten to 100,000 records in ways that a lot of even small indie labels haven't been able to figure out. Like, they have a machine. But part of it's because there's like that there's a certain kind of welcoming metal underground to even some, some like shitty band from like Sweden that there never will be for some like unknown indie band from Sweden. Like the the PR machine doesn't have to be there. Metal fans would be like, cool. Right. I'll go see you. And of course anyone who, if anyone's been to a metal show, Often you'll see you'll go to the metal show and you go okay i 'm going to see this band and this band, and you show up and there's sixteen opening bands, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, "Where are all these opening bands and then, you know you, you know doors open at seven, but the band goes on at one in the morning and metalheads, i mean and they're like, cool, I get to see all these other bands. So there's a certain, you know, I think what keeps the business going. But yeah, it's that been that legitimation. It's that, and that, you know, there was like that uh, Metal Hedge Journey, was like the six part series that aired on VH1. And, and, uh, you know, there's like the Lemmy documentary, and, and which which did pretty well, and was on VH1 and on DVD. And I think that there's been, and in, and of course, there's been other sort of more either indie or mainstream artists who who name check metal and who've said, no, I'm into metal, no, I'm into this or into this side of it, whatever. Um, whether it's uh, John Darnielle, of, yeah. of the uh, Mountain Goats, uh, who writes about metal, who writes about metal, mm-hmm. loves metal, black metal, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think you've had sort of that. Um, because metal has those underground like rapidly independent streaks to it as well and and there's a lot of different ways of it, and so we're now at this point, in which is very, it's very legitimated. People aren't, you know, by and large, people aren't freaking out about metal or you know, they're burning records, you know, or protesting bands and things like that. And it, and it's a weird time for me to think they're going, wow, okay, I, this isn't something I thought I'd see when I was uh, when I was like 17 years old. Yeah. You know, one thing you said earlier, so you said it was kind of metal's a little hard, a little. Um, a little hard to access, a little hard to get into, and, I, and I, but I actually thought to myself, you know, but indie rock, such as it is, at this point, I also find it a little impenetrable. Except, like
1: I think if it's impossible
0: really... to know, like what is the newest thing? No, and you
1: just go to Pitchfork. Like pitchfork. <laughs> but even Pitchfork
0: now is like for people who don't, Pitchfork is a uh, three day music fest here in Chicago and a website. I mean, it started it, it out attached to to uh, Pitchfork, which is ostensibly one of the most read indie rock review websites, news websites around on the internet. And, and they
1: do review some metal. Taste, if, taste if, makers. It's, if it's like...
0: Oh yeah, they no, yeah. they review metal then they have a column that, that goes all yeah. over a lot of metal. AV Club, the Onions okay. AV Club does metal column once a month, once every couple of months. And I, I actually turned to that because it's usually more avant-garde, it's usually a little bit more genre defining, uh, genre defying than some other stuff. Um,
1: but I, I, So I mean, I think that's pitchfork i mean if you were like uh i want to date an indie rock girl what are the five bands i need to be Uh, into this week
0: but yeah i mean that way sure but otherwise this the the sheer numbers and the fact is it's is that it changes so quickly it does
1: change really quickly
0: and then it's also impenetrable me it's like i you know and i understand that part of it it is a young man's game it's about i mean it is about being 25 passionate a fair amount of time on your hands, or young woman's name. Well, and game. you
1: can get so many records now. I mean, like right. it's like so easy to be like, I listen to this record for a week. Now I'm moving on.
0: Right. I mean, that's why tape trading was a big deal for for yeah. metalheads because you you literally couldn't buy those records.
1: Well, then I mean I think this is increasingly in every genre, but I think especially metal, the majority of music I listen to, uh, no one else I know listens to, um, and that made sense when I was like 15 because I mm-hmm. didn't know any other metal people. But now I think it's exceedingly weird. And so I'll go to shows when they are sh- there are shows, and the songs that are, like, the popular song, totally different than the songs that I would have thought. Right. I mean, it's, like, totally weird. And so I think it's interesting that it's still...
0: Well, it's because those bands are on the pop charts in Europe.
1: That's probably true. Yeah. But, I mean, so, obviously, I could probably join uh, some sort of forum, like, yeah. fan forum. But outside of that, there's really no right. collaboration around any sort of albums because there's just again so much splintering that even though I know a fair number of people I would say like 10 people I know in town who are very into metal or even play metal um, and I have no idea what they like or I may know the bands they're talking about but like we don't overlap at all
0: so I wonder, I'm going to wonder from our listeners if we get some feedback whether this discussion was at all impenetrable so you tried to get wherever for, I for, could people who are not metal for people fans. who are not metal fans if there's anyone who really knows nothing about metal who's listening going, it's like, what the, what the hell are they or, talking about?
1: Do you think that the people who are not metal fans really want to hear about metal at all? I think they probably were like I'm not listening to this episode.
0: Unless they're sort of like fascinated, you know in the same way that you could be sort of you know, I mean, I'm definitely, not always but I've heard discussions, sort of like listening to podcast on Sweet Valley High. So not really know very much about, um, not inclined to know very much about, but their discussion was um, decent enough that I, I was willing to listen. All, I mean, I enjoyed listening all the way through. It's possible. Uh, right. Try, you know, we tried, to, we tried to backtrack a little bit, give some background. And, I mean, you know, I could dissertate on, on the uh, metal of the 80s and 90s for quite a long time.
1: Although we are willing, if you are a non-metal listener and you would like to be exposed to metal... We could do like a metal makeover
0: for someone. <laughs> Be like the the Sound Opinions Rock Doctor, exactly. We which could, is which? Which are the shows I hate?
1: I know. but We could rock doctor someone's.
0: We, we can metal doctor rock you.
1: Makeover metal makeover for
0: someone. And Sound Opinions is a fairly popular podcast. I think it's a show here on Chicago Public Radio with two uh, Chicago-based music critics who, uh, you know, they talk about rock music and they interview artists and they do these album dissections when they listen to a classic album and talk about it and do news and it's. I like it mostly but they do this segment where they you know have some listener call in and say you know either something like oh my husband all he listens to is pearl jam and i'm fucking sick of it can you help him find another band or someone calls up and says oh you know i, I used to listen to this and i kind of got out of listening to music and i really want to find something new i like this will you recommend me something but I, I maybe
1: i should write it and be like i love rhapsody but they've broken up <laughs> <laughs> Can you find me
0: yes. different Italian men in falsetto? And you need to write in music. the Sound Opinions and do there that. You. Yeah, I think that would be really good. But yeah, but yeah we'll meddle you up. You know, we we could. There could be a segment. We we, we could. You could Skype in and say, "Look, I like. Um, I don't know. I like Grizzly Bear. Can you in some metal for me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> or like, what is the first thing I should listen to based on these things? Based I upon like?
0: these other things you like? Yeah, yeah there's probably a yeah. way in. Yeah. We, we gateways and gateways to metal Yeah,
1: metal gateway
0: so uh they should email us
1: they should email us at jp uh, uh sellout no, sellout yeah at gmail.com
0: <laughs> gmail.com or, or your tweet facebook us
1: at uh sell podcast or yeah we're on the facebook or just go to our website uh jenny and P- or sellout podcast Duh. and uh leave, leave a comment
0: we're a little tired
1: a little tired it's been an exhausting battle day yeah,
0: it has been but you see it perked me up i it thought that's why up. i chose the to top the topics we had in front of us i knew that this is the one most likely to get me out of a funk and and, and get me animated so um it was a good choice and and so i had a, at the beginning there i had a uh sort of my uh cultural artifact of the week do you have something
1: cultural artifact oh well i i do like the the Death mole, I feel like that's. Oh, the Deathmol. Yeah,
0: you did that. That's right. That's
1: what I've been listening to this week.
0: Where would you find Deathmol?
1: Um they you can just Google it, but I they have um they're for sale on uh not I think Bandcamp. Okay. So you can buy all the albums.
0: You can you can They you are can
1: torrentable as record. well, but I, you know.
0: You recommend that?
1: I would recommend that you pay for it. Also, I would really recommend you read questionable content because it's awesome. And
0: questionable content,
1: which is the comic it is based on.
0: When you'll link this up, yeah, I will link it up. uh, But the
1: reason why is because it it is seriously about everything we've talked about today. Because the main character Martin, he he works at in the library at Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts, and he is an indie rock boy, and he ends up dating a metal girl. And falling in love with metal. And there are interviews with the character of Martin as well, um, where he talks about the sort of indie crossover metal bands that he's okay with, which are like Isis and Pelican. And uh, so he will only listen to like, you know, things that indie rock, that are sort of indie rock. acceptable. Uh-huh. It's see. very interesting. So I, so. All
0: right. I, now I, I, am, I am intrigued now. Yeah. See, so I,
1: I think it, it is really about these topics. And um, I mean, it's been ongoing for a while, but. Um, there's like metal T-shirts that they do. De- all the characters get drawn on and stuff, so it's it's pretty cool.
0: All right, questionable content. Questionable we'll put that content. in the show notes. Yep. All right, I think I think we've. Uh, we're, it's about as much metal as anyone can take right it's now. It's true. We'll find out. We'll 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 circle back, especially if you guys uh, tell us what you want. Specific
1: genres, other than power metal you're interested in.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's several that I could dissertate on at length.
1: Yeah, I will put some links to awesome power metal songs, right. including Village of Dwarves.
0: And of course, uh King Diamond's Welcome Home.
1: Yes, King Diamond's Welcome Home.
0: That that that, that must be in the show notes.
1: It will be. Okay, it will be.
0: Alright. Well thank you, Jenny.
1: Thank you, Paul.